What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, welcome into the Ballsy Podcast as we do talk Texas Rangers baseball. I'm Sean Bass of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Ticket. Evan Grant on the phone line on the West Coast. We're in studio with Kevin Sherrington and Barry Horn. And as we record this on a Tuesday, your Texas Rangers are 5-8. and eight. Can, I, can I just ask, what is the Marv Albert imitation? That's the second straight podcast you've started with the word yes. I either say yes or indeed when I start broadcasting, <laughs> okay. just so you know. <laughs> Okay. I'm not thanks, saying thanks Jordan for, for three. Yes. Thanks for Nothing hijacking like the, the, the podcast. No, well, I haven't again. hijacked it. It hasn't started yet. Now I'm going to sit out. I'm going to okay. lay out. No, no. I'm laying out. No. Evan, so so the Rangers won a game. Oh, oh. You're ready to talk to me now. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yes, they did win a game. They, they won a very good, crisp, well-played game last night. I think it was their best game of the season. Um and I think it all really started with the starting pitching and, and with throwing strikes. A.J. Griffin did exactly what I think Doug Brocale probably said pretty forcefully in the advance meeting yesterday, that this team needs to get more aggressive, needs to throw more strikes early in the count, and in doing so you get guys into swing mode, and then you can start trying to, uh, if for lack of a better term, trick them a little bit. And, and that's what A.J. did yesterday. He, he faced 19 hitters, 15 first-pitch strikes. Uh, I believe he had two strikes on, on 15 of the 19 hitters as well. And it was a it was a very solid performance for him. He, this is a guy who's always had success in this, in this stadium in Oakland. He was 10-4 and four here as a member of the A's. He knows what to do here. Let guys put the ball in play. Let them hit the ball in the air and take advantage of an aggressive swinging Oakland team. Eight strikeouts, eight fly balls, six innings of one-hit shutout baseball. Now, I want to qualify all that by saying, is that, boy, that is one bad team. Yes, and yes, and coming in, it was two bad teams. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> An excellent point. All right, now, so the big news last night, besides the fact that Nomar Mazzara continues to play like one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, just unbelievable what he's doing, uh, going to left field, pulling the ball, whatever he has to do. It's just unbelievable to watch. Is the fact that Keone Kella came back from his exile uh, and and looked lights out. Here's a question that I have about this. Um, I've, I've used both exile and banishment. Which do you think would be a better description? You know, I like exile. It, it conjures up, you know, uh, John the Baptist going, being put on an island, you know, out there. All Excommunicated. By Excommunicated, yeah. It, it kind of has that feel to it, you know. I like that. Okay, all right. All right, well, then uh, uh, exile it will be from here on out. Um, he came back. He... Uh, he actually also got in the game, which was another product. The Rangers adding two runs in the top of the ninth to make it seven nothing. 
And when he got back in the game, he looked like the Keone Keller that the Rangers uh, adored so much in 2015. Ten pitches, eight of them strikes, eight of them fastballs. All the fastballs were between 96 and 97 miles an hour. And he got the last two outs both on that big curveball that he's got. And he didn't speak to the media before the game. He just arrived, and I think the Rangers wanted to get him in a – just get him in the routine and get him through the game. And, and when he did talk afterwards, he said all the right things. He talked about accountability and understanding the process and, and that this club doesn't want to do anything other than help him be the best he can be. Uh, all the right things. A very nice first step for Keone. Um, what remains to be seen is will there be another incident somewhere down the road uh, that either the veterans perceive is a lack of, of, of effort or that Keone, in his mind, may perceive as, as perhaps a lack of respect in, in him. Evan, is there a history of this kind of behavior? I think what I've, I, I, I think what I've ascertained is that uh, the incident that took place in, um, in spring training wasn't the first time that there's been some questioning of either effort or, or, for lack of a better word, how he carried himself um, around the clubhouse. And I, I, I'm really hesitant to get into this because the, the you know, Keone's not going to speak for himself on this on this front, and no players are willing to speak uh, on the record on this. But I think it's it's a case, you know, Keone turned 24 years old on Saturday, and. And different guys mature at different ages, and I think that there's different different moments in in players' lives when when they start to mature. And I think this this flashpoint at the end of spring training was was a lesson for him, and, and I think that's the way the Rangers are approaching it, and hoping that that this was a lesson learned. Well, Evan, as we've learned over the past three years, bullpens are a very uh, I guess delicate ecosystem, and they can evolve throughout a year. This I is this organism. What's that? Did you say orgasm? Organism, Sean. Oh, organism. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, things have changed early in seasons. And we were talking before you came on, Evan. It seems like this is a much like it was the last two years, a blessing in disguise to figure this out early. And is Sam Dyson taking a ball off the hand in Seattle also a blessing in disguise for the here and now because that allows Texas to essentially phantom DL him with what they're calling a contusion uh, on his throwing hand. and But really, this is about him having a 27 ERA and blowing three saves. Yeah, I mean, if, if he had not taken a ball off the hand and still blown that save yesterday, they would have found um, an ingrown hair in the beard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> a I like that. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> the, the, John Daniels acknowledged that this is an opportunity that, that, to give him some time to work on some things said the hand contusion is not a very serious issue. Give him a day or two to just kind of make sure that there's, you know, it's not it's not tight in there. And and then he can go out and work. And, and I think he will go down to AAA and, and get a couple of games in down there. And, and I think the whole idea is go down there, have a couple games worth of success, basically look at it as restarting the season, try and, and just wipe out that you had a 27 ERA for the first two weeks of the season and, and, and let's start anew. Um Here's the challenge, though, Sean. The, the last two years, the Rangers have changed closers early, and, and it, it was mid-May before they changed closers. And, and in, in some respects, this is a blessing in that you're doing it this early, and, 
and so maybe guys do have a chance to even settle in a little bit more and and that there's no kind of um, ongoing issue six weeks into the season, you hope. Uh, but the other part of it is when they changed the closers, the closers never came back and were significant parts of the bullpen. Um, Natalie Feliz was out of the organization. Sean Tollison was effectively relegated to being a, a non-factor. He, too, and, was exiled. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the, yeah, absolutely. And, and so you would, for this team to be the best that it can be, they, they need Sam Dyson to be that that super turbo sinker baller who can get ground balls. And that's a valuable guy, whether it's the seventh inning or the eighth inning. That's a valuable guy for still some high leverage situations. And, you know, if you do have Bush in the closers role and, and you do have uh, Kella back in the, in, in the eighth inning now and, and you you can use Dyson, uh, say, let's say in two weeks in, in the seventh inning in some of those situations. And Jeremy Jeffress has been very good in, in – in very short outings, although he's, he's pitched nine times now, I think all of a sudden you look back up and you say, hey, we do have a fix for the bullpen, and, and you do have an effective lefty out there in Alex Claudio, and you, you know, you're now through two of Jake Diekman's three surgeries, and you may get what amounts to a very fresh arm back right around the All-Star break, if not a, you know, a week or two after that, and, and all of a sudden you're saying, uh, by the end of the season, this bullpen could, be, could once again be dominant. And since we last spoke, they've taken Tanner Shepherds off the forty man as he continues to deal with injury. What's, I mean, he would have to give up what nine hundred, the bulk of nine hundred seventy five thousand this year if he decided to uh, take a job with another team. What's his future with the organization if there even is one? Well, I think he can still pitch his way back into the organization, but uh, it was a calculated move by the Rangers. Um, it, it was a way for them to create some extra roster space in case there was a waiver claim. And, and I think that they felt like with the number of injuries that Shepard's had and the lack of success he's had in the big leagues and the drop in the velo uh, that we've seen since the arm injury in 2014, that he wouldn't get claimed. And, and he went through waivers unclaimed. Uh, it also He's also not going to walk away from $900,000 at this point in time. And, and so it was a fairly calculated move by them. Um, and... It gives, you know, Shepherds can go down there and work and not expect a, necessarily a call-up anytime soon um, or be be waiting on a call-up. Uh, it gave them an extra roster spot. They went out and were able to make a what amounted to a waiver claim for a right-hander from the, the San Francisco organization, Clayton Blackburn, who could go down to AAA and be another starting depth option. Um, but it does say that this team was willing just walk away from Tanner Shepherds if somebody was willing to take the, sal- the salary. And, and if somebody had, it would have given them an, close to another million dollars worth of flexibility, which could certainly come in handy at the All-Star break. I want to go back to this whole, uh, you were just talking a minute ago about Matt Bush going into the ninth and Keone in the eighth and, and Sam in the seventh or whatever, and, and somewhere Jeffress works in there. Isn't it really? Oh, well, thanks t- for listening so closely. I am. I'm listening very closely. Uh, what you know? Isn't this really time for the Rangers to go to a situational bullpen? Isn't this time? I mean, because none of these, except for Jeffress, none of these guys has extended uh, time in the closers role to begin with. And and I think I don't know about if if Sam Dyson's problems were all mechanical. I don't know if there were some mental aspects involved right. in all that. I'd have to feel like there's a little bit of a mental aspect involved with that. 
You know, and I know what we say about the closers in that ninth inning and how important it is. But I'm just wondering if, if for the health of all of these guys, uh, both physically and mentally, we just say, hey, we're going to go with the matchups here. And whatever, whatever works out best, that's what we're going to do. Evan, you, hey, Evan, 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 before you start, Kevin is asking you to write his column for tomorrow. <laughs> that is my column for tomorrow, by the way. No, and I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a good point. I, I think that, you know, and I asked Jeff Bannister yesterday about, is it time to do what you did temporarily in 2015 and suspend all the rules? And, and I think his feeling after, you know, going through that experience and, and having talked with his pitchers, I think basically he'd love to be able to do that and just simply use the best pitcher in the highest leverage situation that he's got. But I also think that there is something to these guys and how they prepare and how they get ready for games and how they they, they best operate. And so I think what you will see is that for the time being, Bush will get the majority of the, the save opportunities. I think ahead of him, it will be much more mix and match. And, and the manager did say, you know, let's not worry that much about what inning you pitch in. Let's focus on going out there and just getting out. And so I think you will see some hybrid of this. I just don't know that you can do it with the ninth inning. Uh, I, I think that is the one thing where it, at this point pitchers still have to be ingrained that, hey, I'm, I'm expecting to go out there and pitch the ninth inning and I'm going to get ready for it, at this point in time and, and do this and do that. Um, that may all be a bunch of baseball psycho mumbo-jumbo, but I think that's what we've ingrained in our pitchers over the last 25 years. I, I do think that, listen, Matt Bush was, on Sunday, he threw 11 pitches, 10 strikes, uh, 10 of them fastballs, all at 97 and 98 miles an hour, absolutely dominant fastball. He's got the kind of swing-and-miss, overpowering fastball that can make for your prototypical power closer. He um, does, but he's also had a, a quarter zone shot already this year, and, and that's and, yeah, and yeah. I think we saw last year that it, but after on a couple of days, his velocity dropped uh, when he pitched uh, two games in a row. And so that's... that's well, Jeff Bannister said last night, you know, three days in a row for anybody in the closer's role right now would be asking too much. And and I think with Matt Bush, again, you know, you saw on Sunday he pitched, he threw 11 pitches in that eighth inning, which really was the highest leverage situation in that game, facing five, six, seven in a tie game. I think that that was kind of the situational closer audition, really. Yeah. Um, Same thing with Jose Leclerc in that. Which game was that in the in the Angels series? Where he came and he pitched against uh, Trout, Pujols, and uh, who was that? Who was that? Yeah, was that the yeah, second that, or third game in the series? No, it was I believe the second game. Third yeah. game was was more of a route. That's right. Um, and and, and, but, and Leclerc uh, really pitched the tough part of that lineup, and that's when Tony Barnett was going to come in the ninth. And they and since they the Rangers pumped correct. up their lead, they they stuck with Leclerc. Correct, and and I, so I think I think. You've also got to factor that in there. You're not going to throw anybody out there three consecutive days. I think right now you might very well be a little bit hesitant to throw Bush out there on consecutive days if he's had anything that amounts to a stressful inning worth of work. But I, I do think he's going to give Matt Bush the opportunity to get at least the majority of the save opportunities. 
And Evan, the bullpen would be used less if we keep getting starts like we had last night from uh, A.J. Griffin, uh, Hugh Darvish, who goes tonight as we record this. Uh, his last start was stellar out in Anaheim. Uh, let's talk about the state of the rotation because our, you had the note that Tyson Ross had a setback with back spasms. He probably won't be ready till maybe the middle or latter part of May. Uh, but when everybody's right, what sort of future does A.J. Griffin have, if any, uh, as far as the second half of the season goes? Yeah, you know, you would think he'd be the odd man out, Sean. But I think we we all know and we've all got enough experience that uh, whether it's Tyson Ross who gets healthy or uh, or what, there tends to be another injury somewhere along the line that's going to shut somebody down for, for two weeks or so. And, and, and I actually, you know, using the 10-day DL, I'd actually be a big proponent of trying to find a 10-day break for just about everybody in my rotation over the course of the season. And as the season plays out, I won't be surprised to see clubs kind of do that, especially if they've got any depth options. Um, all AJ can do is, is make a difficult decision for the Rangers. And if he pitches like he did last night, um, getting ahead of guys, getting them swinging. He had a really good curveball. Uh, he can he can figure into the mix. And, and I also think, you know, the way the Rangers looked at him last night, they handled him exactly as they did Giovanni Gallardo in the second half of 2015 when they milked the most they possibly could out of Gallardo. This is a guy you don't expect to go more than six innings, that you want to keep to right at about two trips through the lineup. He faced 19 hitters. So he basically faced two trips through the lineup and the leadoff guy. Uh, took him out at 93 pitches, and he has just retired 14 consecutive batters. And usually that's not a point where you take a guy out. Right. But I think with the Rangers, the, the profile is we don't want him to face the, the heart of the, th- the, the lineup the third time through. He's done what he needs to do. Um, he hasn't put that extra stress inning on the bullpen. We now have a full bullpen at our disposal. Let's go out and finish off this game. Could we see a similar recipe with Andrew Kashner, who actually had a really good debut? Uh, what, five and a third, three runs, actually commanded the ball better than he has in the past? I mean, there's there's a little bit of promise there. There's uh, There was a lot of promise, you know, and he took a shutout to the, to the sixth inning that night. And I, my personal feeling was that, you know, even though he had a very manageable pitch count, five innings was enough from Andrew Kashner that, uh, on Saturday night. He had given the Rangers what they needed in that first start. And then if you had more more confidence in your bullpen, I think you turn it over to the bullpen there. But, yeah, what I'll be interested to see now is as Kashner builds his pitch count up, um, I'll expect to see him go deeper into games. He's got the stuff to carry deeper into games. The fastball was, was, was certainly playable in the 93 to 95 range, and he really – it was weird. Like the first three or four fastballs of every inning – They were in the 91-92 range. And then as the inning worked worked forward, uh, the fastball popped back up to where it had been. So I didn't see an overall drop in velocity, but there did seem to be that little kind of ramp-up period at the very beginning of innings. So that'll be interesting to see going forward. Evan, I was interested in something that came up during the broadcast last night, that the, uh, that the Rangers had a little bit of old field in practice there. Uh, yesterday afternoon, um, uh, Monday afternoon, you know this is uh, an issue that has that I know Bannister, of course Ron Washington beat on this. Um, you know Jeff Bannister is beaten on this. 
and this team continues to play rather poor defense. Uh, what uh, what do you think uh, was was the message pretty strident uh, when Bannister had this little workout session with the boys? Uh, well, all I saw when I got there at two thirty was a couple of um, middle infielders just doing some extra work, and then uh, the, the tarp was on the field for most of the rest of the afternoon. It wasn't a full scale, as far as I saw, it wasn't a full scale organized um, infield practice. And and I think, look, the Rugnetto Door and, and Elvis have not had uh, a great start uh, defensively. You know, you, you you would think about the team. You say, all right, right now they're missing what was a Gold Globe first baseman in 2016 and what's a historically a Gold Globe third baseman in, in Adrian Beltre. And, and they should be weak on the corners. But I think Mike Napoli has played fine at first base. And I think Joey Gallo has been the best defender in the infield. Um, I thought he made a really nice play on a high hopper last night and made a good throw to get Rajai Davis. Uh, but but Odor and Andrus have made have made some errors on plays that you would think are are routine. And, and so... Uh, yeah, he it it, it it drives Jeff Bannister crazy, um, and we had a we had a discussion about it on Sunday, talking about about the fact that no, they're not playing defense the way they want to. Um, uh, and, and then yesterday they went out and I thought played their their cleanest game all the way around. As I mentioned, Gallo made a nice play at third base to save a base hit. Uh, and Pro, I thought Jurks and Profar was going to be really challenged in left field. Last night with a fly ball pitcher, with wet grass, uh, with a huge gap in left field, he made two really nice plays. Um, yes, I have been disappointed. Have been disappointed in his overall range, or maybe it's reads, but he seems there have been some balls that have fallen in front of him that need to be caught. Um, and one of the things I noticed yeah, too this is, is, is an, it's an ongoing process, Kevin, and I think you will see some tutorial sessions here along the way. But the, the bottom line on Elvis and, and, and Ruggie is that there have been some plays there that whether it's footwork or whether it's how they've approached the ball, they just haven't done a great job on that. No, and, and you know, one of the things I know, because Elvis had really gotten into a bad habit on an, on an easy play of, of flipping the ball, you know, sidearm over to first and, and bouncing them in. He, he threw one the other day that bounced three feet. In front of Mike Napoli, and and you know Napoli, and Napoli has saved him about three years. I, I I you know Elvis made a comment to me the other day about um, that Napoli has saved some errors, and it takes him some time early in the season to really get that arm strength all the way aired out. So I, it, it it bears watching if. Um, if he's still throwing sidearm, you know, in another week or so. I noticed last night he did have a one play. I don't remember who the hitter was, but he did gun it to first base. And, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 in, in my mind, until further notice, he needs to put something on the ball every time somebody hits it to him just so he can get that kind of grooved, you know. I mean, to me, to, to, you're not, he's not a good enough fielder. At least he's not consistently a good enough fielder to take off plays. You know, he, yeah. he, he needs to play every play like it's the last one he's ever going to make. Well, this is true, and, you know, that would all be an issue if he wasn't such an offensive juggernaut. Yes, that's that's correct. <laughs> and who would have thought we would say that about Elvis Andrews? Uh, yeah, I, I, will, I will say this. There, the defense, is, there have been some issues with the defense, but I have been so impressed with the authority with which he's hit the ball. And, I mean, there have been – uh, there have been some outs that he's made that have been well struck as well, and 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 
he's made he's made some significant progress on the offense, and you know you you want players to be compl- be complete players, and and now I think he's got to also make sure that he addresses some of the things defensively that made him such a good defender early on. You mentioned Joey Gallo, and 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 uh, I don't want to make too much out of all this, uh, but you know because the average is still around two hundred, but the OBP is it's about three forty. Uh, he took another walk last night. Uh, he got robbed. That was a home run. That was a big walk too. Yes, absolutely. Big walk last night. Got absolutely robbed of a home run in Seattle. Has played really good defense. Um, I think you know you talk. Let's just talk about this for a minute. I don't think Beltre is going to be back until the first of May. Um, I think the Rangers are going to take a full three weeks this time around before they start to really ramp things up. Uh, let's say that happens, and Joey continues to prove himself a quality at bat um, and and a guy who is showing some power and some plate discipline. You then compare him to what the Rangers are getting in left field, and they're getting right. no offense from that three-headed left field monster. And, yes, the answer is going to be that Joey's going to get some time in left field. I think he's also going to get some time at first base against occasional tough right-handers, and it may be that he's the guy that ends up cutting into jerks and Profar's playing time. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I watched these guys, uh, you know, Delano had such a great spring, and he's done basically nothing. You know, Rua is, is, is Rua. No, 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 no. No, he's he, he's done actually nothing. <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and and then Pro, and you know what Profar always strikes me as uh, watching him play, and he did have a couple of really nice catches last night. But watching him play, it seems like you know he 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 does have a good time. He's smiling when he made the diving catch in left field, and that's all great. But he's such an emotional player, and I just feel like until he gets a job that he wants, which is middle infield, and until he gets a job where he's playing every day. He's just never going to be the player that anybody thinks he's going to be. Uh, and that, that could be true. But at this point in time, I think, you know, it's, we are in, into the season now. And the Rangers um, the Rangers are about winning. And both he and, and, and Joey Gallo are essentially fighting for some playing time. And Topher's going to have a role on this team going forward. As a, as, as a utility infielder, but the majority of his playing time could be lost simply on a meritocracy because Gallo's earned more of it right now than, than, than Profar has if they've got to match up at, at certain positions. Um, I will say this. He had, he had a nice game in Anaheim with, with three hits. Uh, he's playing a little bit more regularly now as, as he plays against pretty much every right-hander in, uh, in left field. Uh, his bunt last night was a big part, I think, of the big four-run eighth inning, uh, four-run inning, um, coming on on the heels of back-to-back walks by uh, um, I forget who it was in Gallo. Chew. I think it was Luke Roy and Gallo. Uh, Chew and Gallo. I'm sorry. Yeah. Chew and Gallo, and the bunt kind of eliminated the double play. Got two guys in the, in the scoring position with one out. Was a real message to the Rangers that hey, we need to execute here and get and get a guy home from third. And Carlos Gomez responded with a two-run double, and then later in the inning, Mike Napoli with another two-run double. Uh, so that was a that was a big bond. And there are going to be things that that Profar does that don't necessarily show up as as highlight plays, but 
but he is supposed to be a pretty good fundamental player. I haven't seen that on the base path. I haven't seen that in terms of being completely comfortable in left field, but he is starting to get some more regular playing time, and maybe he's going to start to make the most of it. With so much attention being given to what Mazzara's done to start the year and Gallo getting this stretch while Beltre's out, do you feel like Chu and what he's done over the past week and uh, and in that, that same breath, uh, Rookie slumping over the past few weeks, do you think that's gone largely unnoticed in the fan base? Yeah, you know, Rookie's got a golden ticket here for a while, I think. Um, and I do think that Chu has not had a great start to the season. He's been dropped from the number two hole down to the number seven hole. I think that was the, that's become clearly evident. But he did take three walks last night, and he did start to, to pump up the on-base thing again. And, and a five-RBI game that, Sunday with a homer. He did have the five-RBI game Sunday with the homer and the double. If he if he starts to ramp things up here, he is uh, he'll go right back up to the top of the order, and it's going to make the top of that order. Uh, very, very dangerous. But, yeah, I, you know, I mean, Carlos Gomez hasn't been great in the leadoff spot. At the same time, he's reached base for the last seven games to start the game. Um, they've got the, – they're doing some of the things that they need to do to generate offense. The biggest problem is that they're – you know, it's, it's like after the second time through the lineup, they're just going flat. Uh, until last night, you know, they, they, they were not scoring late in games. They had been – I believe what I had calculated last night is from the seventh inning on, they had been outscored 31-7 to from, from the seventh inning on, and that's just unacceptable. Yeah, you know, I, when we were talking about Ruge and what he's doing, you know, this year and the, and the start of it, I think the most disappointing thing is to see, you know, he had a 3-0 count the other day, swung on 3-0, and popped it up. I mean, you couldn't have done anything worse than that. And last night, in last night's game, uh, you know, you get the first three guys up, all get hits. You got guys at second and third, no outs, and you don't generate any more runs. Uh, they're just still right. struggling. They're scoring a lot of runs because of the long ball, uh, and I, I certainly want to give them credit for that. But who knows if they can sustain that? And the, and the bigger well, issue to, right. me, to me is to get you know get a hit a fly ball, man. Get put the ball in play. Do something to get that run across. Well, that's why I thought the fifth inning yesterday, particularly after the, the the failure of the first inning, which had started so promising, and then four, five, and six just provided nothing. I thought the fifth inning was such a big inning for them. The four runs was their their biggest inning without the aid of a home run this year. They got two big hits, one of them from a guy who had been struggling in Napoli. Um, they did they did create that that inning by the the walks and the bunt to remove the double play. Uh, They've got to do better in execution situations. I will say this, and, and I think this bears watching, and, and I think we've seen some statistical analysis point to this, that the 3-0 pitch now is is no longer a, hey, you don't swing at 3-0. I, I think more and more the evidence suggests you're going to get a cookie at 3-0 because the pitcher has to get back in the zone. He's going to throw a strike. It, it, it's a get him over strike. And until pitchers change that thinking, there's going to be a lot more 3-0 swinging in the league. And, it, and, and with it, there's going to be some guys who do miss their pitch on 3-0. Well, Evan, thanks for letting us wake you up on the West Coast today. Good stuff as always. And I guess we'll talk to you next week when uh, you're back in town as the Rangers have, what, a homestand with Kansas City and Minnesota, I believe. Are you going to be in the studio next cool. week, Evan? Yeah, we'll have a, our, our little crowd, all four of us in there. All right. Barry may actually talk to me, though. 
Wow. Barry is very bitter right now. <laughs> He's stewing. He is stewing. Why is he why is he bitter? Why are you mad, Barry? Tell us why you're mad. Oh, he is oh, waving no. off. Oh no. He just waved us off. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he flipped us off. Holy cow. This is a new low point in the podcast. Oh no. The kid, we're gonna are are we gonna have to have a team meeting? Yes, a team meeting. We're gonna have to sit. We're gonna have to send Keone Kella here down, <laughs> down to Denton, to be the Denton Record <laughs> Chronicle for a couple of weeks, and then bring him back. I, I, it sounds like I may have to buy everybody lunch. Hey, and, you know what? That always makes it okay for me. A free I meal. I know you're so easy, Kevin. I am easy. It's unbelievable. All right, Evan. We'll talk to you, man. All right, you guys. All right, take care. There he goes, Evan Grant from Oakland, as the Rangers have two games left in this series before they come home. And, uh, yeah, 5-8, and eight, and there's a chance that, who knows, maybe next week they're over 500 when we do this again. Barry, do you want to comment on that? No. Barry is laying out completely. Man. Well, that'll do it for the Ranger portion of the podcast <laughs> this week, and uh, be sure to like it and favorite it on wherever you download and do all the Internet stuff. And uh, for Evan Grant, for Barry Horn and Kevin Sherrington, I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket, and we will talk to you next week on don't, the and Ballsy don't, And don't forget to listen to our podcast. Cowboy podcast. Oh, of course. Good. Listen, Barry Talks. Mike Sando and uh, Babe Loffenberg. So going to get you ready for the draft that's coming up. So uh, thanks to everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.